Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Being friends forever. Somebody today told me um, that they saw a video of when Kenny and I and a couple of the other folks, like Javi, uh, went on a missionary trip to Puerto Rico. How many years ago was that? Were we like 17, 18? <clears throat> so the comment was, you know, you guys were really different back then. You guys have changed a lot. So um, it's been good to walk with the Lord all these years. It's been good to... Um, it's been good to see faithful men and faithful women that we've seen them hanging on to the Lord and to his promises through difficult times, through good times. Um, and it's also good to see new people, to see that the Lord continues to save people, to see that the Lord continues to um, save families, that the Lord continues to um, bring people into the fold. And that's God's heart. God's heart is to bring people into his family and then have them grow up and now we have little palmas and little hanals running around and um and and just grow the family from within as we raise our children in the ways of the lord and grow our family from without as the lord knocks on on the hearts of of um of people who are lost just like he did to our heart. I was lost. And the Lord came to my life. And, and he came at the right time. And he did a perfect work. I know that it was God. Nobody can, conv nobody can convince me otherwise. And, um, and that's how God works in our lives. We know that it's him. And um, so it's encouraging to see the people that are faithful and that have been around for a while. And it's encouraging to see the new people. And what God is doing. Let's pray that God speaks to us tonight. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called your children. We thank you for the privilege of being called your people. Lord, you know our weaknesses. You know our frailties. You know what we need. You know... You know what's around the corner. You know our, what we're worried about. Lord, and not one hair falls from our head that you don't know about it. And Lord, we know that you care for us. We're here because you first loved us, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. And we hang on to that promise that says that you began a good work in our life. And you're going to finish it. So we pray that tonight you speak to us. We pray that tonight you would help us to align our lives with your heart, with your plans. Lord, we don't want to leave the same. 
We didn't come. We, we don't want to play church. We don't want to continue the routine. Lord, speak to us tonight. Do a work in our lives. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tonight's message is titled, Cooking with His Grace. Just kidding. Tonight we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. As I was preparing for tonight, um, I was looking at some notes from a previous message, and I decided the first few verses, I wanted to share them again as the introduction for tonight. So we can go to Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, let's go to verse 2. Actually, you know what? I didn't intend to start there, but let's start on verse 1. So it says, I beseech you, I beg of you, I implore you by the mercies of God. I beg you because of everything that God has already done for you, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's leave it there for a second. Number one, it says because of what God has done for you, your reasonable service is to present your life as a living sacrifice. So tonight we're going to talk about understanding God's will for your life. God, does, God wants us, as we'll see in the next verses, God wants us to understand his will. He doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want it to be a guessing game. If you read scripture and you ask the Lord to speak to you, the Holy Spirit will make it very clear what his will is. And one thing you can be sure of is God wants you to present your life as a living sacrifice. Let's read that up there. It's your reasonable I love these huge letters. It's your reasonable service. It's only reasonable if God gave his life as a living sacrifice. For you, it's only reasonable that your service would be a, a living sacrifice to him. The reason I'm emphasizing this is because I know that in our Christian walk, or let me say it differently, I know that the price that we have to pay, or let's, let's say it, let's try it again. There is a price, a high price to pay to do God's will. Anybody who tells you otherwise, the Bible calls those people teachers who will tell you whatever your itching, itching ears want to hear. Anybody who tells you that you don't have to pay a price to do God's will, that you don't have to sacrifice to do God's will, the Bible says those are teachers who are telling you, you know what they are? They're used car salesmen. They're telling you whatever you want to hear so that you can buy the car. You can ask them whatever you want, and they'll tell you what you want to hear. But if you read the Scriptures, the Scriptures say that the reasonable 
acceptable service to God is a living sacrifice. So in our walk with the Lord, and unfortunately in some circles within, there are uh, with some circles within Christianity, there is the concept of Christ without the cross or a Christianity without the cross. And so we then are, we're, we're, we, we're confronted with a decision. How far, not a decision, but with a question. If I have to pay a price, how far does God really want me to go? Does God really want me all in? Does God really want me to pay to lay my life down? Or is that just for the pastor? Is that just for the missionary? Or does God want me to live? And the Holy Spirit will speak to you that he wants you to live for him, that he wants you to live as a living sacrifice. But your mind will start to say, you know what? That's a big price to pay. Are you sure that that's God's will for your life? Are you sure God really wants you to take it that far? Let's go to the next verse, please. It says, do not be conformed to this world. So first of all, be a living sacrifice. Number two, don't be like this world. Let me ask you a question. What do you like? What do you resemble? What do you look like? Let's keep going. Do not be, com no, no, verse two. I, I was going to keep reading. I'm sorry. And do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So number one, understanding God's will, God wants you to change. It says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. So number one, God wants you to be changed. Is that clear in this verse? Number one, God wants you to be changed. Number two, God doesn't want you to be like this world. So here's a good indication, or here's a good indicator. If you think like this world... If you act like this world, if you react, sometimes we don't act like this world, but if somebody provokes us, we react like this world. If we think like this world, if we talk like this world, if we act like this world, God's will is that we be changed. That we no longer, and, and how are we changing? By the renewing of our mind. That is that we no longer think the way this world thinks. So two things are necessary. One is we have to change the way we think, but the other is you need to know how God thinks. We need to know God. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform means you change from one form to the other. So you need to know. We already know what we're not supposed to be like. We're not supposed to be like the world. But what are we supposed to be like? It says transform by the renewing of your mind, which means we need to begin to understand. You get it? It's in your mind. It's not, um, it's not goosebumps. It's not a feeling. 
It's not a desire. It's not an emotion. It says transform by the renewing of how you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, what does prove mean? Let me see. I hope I didn't delete it. The word here, the word prove here is, in the Greek, is dokimazo, which is to examine, to prove, to recognize, listen to this, to recognize as genuine upon examination. Not only are you to do God's will, God wants you to know what his will is. And he wants you to be able to prove, to recognize as authentic after examination that means you need to be able to god wants you to be able to understand his will his will is not destiny that happens automatically it's not dest it's not something abstract or unknown we've already seen several verses explaining to us god's will for our life somehow we've made it become something um unknowable, something uh, uh, passing, something difficult to understand. But if we read God's word, he makes it very clear. I want you to live as a, I want you to offer your life as a living sacrifice. That's not easy, but it's clear. I want you to be, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I want you to change the way you think. That may not be easy, but it's clear. And one thing that's very clear is that God wants us to understand his will. How do we understand his will? It says, recognizing as genuine after examination. Let's go to Ephesians 5.15. Do we happen to have the New American Standard Version for the overhead, for the projector? We don't have it? Okay, we'll, we'll keep this one then. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as, not, well, here, let me see, because I have it written here. I ha my translation says, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Next verse. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So God wants, here's the point. God wants you to understand his will. God wants you to know how to walk. Can we go back to 15? Notice that verse 15 says, be careful how you walk. Well, How do we, how is it that we make the most of our time? The Bible says redeeming our time, or the other, another translation says making the most of our time. How do we do that? We do that by examination 
and by reflection. How do we, when somebody says be careful, there's usually an object of that care, meaning if they tell you be careful, they might say be careful with that knife. In other, the implication is be careful that you don't cut yourself. Take, in Spanish they say procura, which is take measures to ensure that something doesn't happen. So in our life, when they tell us to be careful how we walk, what that means is take measures to ensure that you're walking wisely. That requires two things. It requires that we examine how we walk. And it requires that we make what I'm calling course, that we correct our course. So the Bible tells us we're to know God's will. It says be careful how to walk, how we walk. And in order to do that, we need to examine how we walk and make the necessary corrections. So now, before we go on, I want to take a pause here. And ask you, how do you walk? What guides your, your, your way? When you wake up in the morning, what is your guide? How do you make decisions? What guides your emotions? What guides your plans? Does anything other than, is it just your desires? Is it your thoughts? The Bible says, be careful how you walk. That means you should plan out how you walk or you should take steps to make sure that the way you're walking is according to God's will. And if it's not, and the Holy Spirit shows us when it's not, we're called to make corrections in our life. So what, first of all, are we giving thought? Let me say it differently. God's will is that you give thought to how you walk. Many of us just, I, I do it. I go through life and I'm busy and I'm just, it's all I can do to keep pedaling. And many times, days, weeks, months go by and I give no thought to how I'm living. I give no thought to how I'm, how I'm walking. This verse says, see then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. And many times I get busy and I'm not careful how I walk. I'm just, I'm not even walking. I'm running a hundred miles an hour without giving any thought to how I'm walking. But the Bible says God's will is not that you go a hundred miles an hour. God's will is not that you are so busy that you don't have time to consider how you're walking. He says, be careful how you walk. He says, make sure that you're making the most of your time. But most of us, I'm, the, I'm preaching to myself here, most of us don't give any thought to making the most of our time. And let me say it differently. I do give, I, 
probably, I, I, you could probably say that I plan to a fault. So I do give plenty of thought to what's going on. But often, it's giving thought within the busyness of my day and not taking a step back and saying, evaluating my Christian walk and saying, am I taking, am I where God wants me to be? And then, I know the answer I'm going to get. I know I'm not where God wants me to be. So then, am I being careful? So then the next step is, am I being careful to make the necessary corrections in my life to get to where God wants me to be? So, um, understanding God's will then being careful to make sure, not going so fast and so busy that we don't give any thought to how we're walking, but to be careful and take measures in our life to make sure that we're doing God's will. So, I'm reflecting and I'm challenging you to reflect. Are you, how are you walking? And this is something you should, this is not, obviously you're not going to tell me. This is something you ask yourself. How am I walking? Am I walking, would the Lord say that I'm walking wisely? Or would the Lord say that I'm walking foolishly? And if there are areas that need to be corrected, what are we so busy doing? I know we're busy, but what's more important than making sure, than making these corrections in our life? So the main point here was that God wants us to know his will, but um, I believe verse 6, go to 16, 17. So it says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Who do you think God is talking to here? Do you think he's talking to the pastor when he says, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is? Do you think he's talking just to the pastor? Do you think he's talking just to the Oscar, the missionary in Nicaragua? God is talking to you, telling you, don't be a fool, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What I'm trying to make clear with these verses is that there's an expectation from God that you would understand his will. Because there is a, a notion in many Christians' minds that God's will is unknowable. That God's will is not something that you can know. That God's will is something that is a mystery. But God's, God's word says something altogether different. He tells us time and time again, prove, examine, determine, understand the will of God. And don't be, un, don't be a fool. Examine 
be careful how you're living. And if you have to make a correction or adjustment or a change, make it. That's the expectation from God. So we can sit back and play dumb. We can sit back and pretend like we don't know what God wants. And pretend like it's all a mystery and I'm just waiting for something in my life to change. I'm waiting for something to happen to me. But God's word says very clearly, we're to be, he calls on us. There's an expectation set on us that we be wise, that we make the changes that his Holy Spirit is faithful to show us. God is not asking you and God is not asking me to make any changes that he hasn't revealed to us. God is only asking us to be faithful with what he's already shown us. So, according to Scripture, that's God's expectation. According to Scripture, that's God's instruction. And that is now our responsibility to say, God, I've heard you. I've evaluated. You've shown me these areas in my life. I need your help to change. And you ask God for the grace. You ask God for the strength. You ask God to change you. I've had to do that times. There's been times in my life where God says, stop doing something, and I stop doing it. And there's been times in my life where I've had to say, God, I need your help. If you don't change me, I'm not going to be able to change. I've tried and I've tried. And you know what? God does it. God does it. Let me encourage you with this. The Bible says, he who began the good work in you will also finish it. He started it. He started it. He came to your life. He saved you. He's brought you this far. He's going to finish it. If you let him. You have to be willing. Oh, just like, just the Bible says, who fooled you when he talks to the Galatians? Galatians, who fooled you? Who bewitched you? If you started This, how is it that if you started this life by faith, you're now going to finish it with your works and with your strength? So God began a good work in us. What was our role? To allow him, to yield to him, to invite him into our life and say, yes, Lord, I want to do your will. That's how we started. Does everybody remember how they started? Yes, Lord. The message was preached to you and you said, yes, Lord, I want to do your will. But somehow after a few years, now we start trying. We couldn't do anything to get ourselves saved. We couldn't do anything to be right with God. That was a gift of God. God did it from his goodness, from his grace, so that no man will boast. Well, guess what? That's the same way he's going to finish the work in your life. By grace, through faith, 
not of works, so that no man shall boast. So it's our role to say, God, you started this thing. Lord, finish it. Finish your work in my life. We need God. We can't do this on our own. That's not the intent of, of, of the message tonight. God has to do the work. And we have to surrender to him now the same way that we surrendered to him the day that we got started. And God is going to take us from uh, battle to battle and from victory to victory and from glory to glory the same way that he started. By grace, through faith, not of your own works so that you don't get the credit. If you don't get the credit, guess what you're going to say? You're going to encourage other people. Listen, God is good. God will do it. God is awesome. I know you can't. I know you can't. I couldn't. I can't. But God will do it. God did it before and he'll do it again. Amen. God is going to do the work. So this concept, <laughs> I like this. Um, this concept of understanding and knowing God's will is not to put a burden on you. It's not to burden you to say, now you know God's will, now you better go do it. It's not to say, hey, you fool, you should know what you, you, what you should be doing. That's not the intent. The intent is just to bring clarity from Scripture that God's heart is that you know his will. It's not intended to be a mystery, and it's not intended to be something abstract. It's intended to be something for you to say, Lord, I know this is, I'll give you an example. The Bible says, forgive, and you will be forgiven. There's a principle in the Bible that teaches us to forgive. That's not a mystery. That's not difficult to understand. Sometimes it's very, very difficult to do. Some people have been, have gone through some things, and it's very difficult to forgive. Maybe impossible in the flesh or in our, in our own strength. It's God's will that you forgive. That's not a mystery. That's not difficult to understand. That's not difficult to attain or obtain. Or it's, um, let me rephrase that. That's not difficult to grasp in your mind. It might be very difficult to do. But you can say, God, I know your will. Your will is that I forgive. Help me forgive. Change my heart. Give me remove the heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. The people in the Bible prayed like that. I know sometimes you don't feel like doing God's will. Many times I don't feel like doing God's will. But the men of God in the Bible, and I'm pointing to my computer, but the men of God in the Bible, the, this is the pulpit, so the Bible should be here, right? Everybody pretend like I have a Bible up here. The men of God in the Bible prayed like that. Lord, remove this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Lord, breathe life into these dry bones. <sighs> this was for the people of God. So God has to do a work in us. But he wants us to understand what his will is. So that we can. Now, why do you think the Bible says pray according to his will? 
God wants you to get in agreement with him. The Bible says if two or more are gathered and agree on anything. God is looking that when we pray, we agree with each other and we agree with him. Lord, you have shown us your will. Do your will, Lord. We agree that your will is good. We agree your will is the best. So the key is God wants you to know his will. Let's go to the... Let's go to um, Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle. I'm, I'm reading mine. I'm sorry about that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's go back to 28 now. Okay. This is Jesus speaking. God's will is that you come to Jesus. You might be saying, I wonder if it's God's will for me to get married. I wonder if it's God's will for me to study medicine. I wonder if it's God's will for me to get, take this job. Listen, God's will is that you come to him. You are probably, like most of us, like me many times, preoccupied with many, the Bible says that Martha was worried about many things that weren't important. They were all worked up about things that weren't important and they lost sight of what was important. God's will is that you come to Jesus, that you come to him, that you have intimacy with him. You're wondering about this and that and the other, and you're all worked up about this and that and the other. But you want to know God's heart? You're saying, God, why don't you answer me? Because you're asking the wrong question. Listen. Why don't you answer me? You're asking the wrong question. Have you come to me? Or are you so worried about the answer to your question that you don't come to me? You're worked up about trying to take care of something in your life or trying to make something happen, and you don't come to me. God's will is that we have intimacy with Jesus. Come, some of you are burdened, and my translation says burdened and heavy laden. Some of you are burdened and heavy laden with many cares, and we don't come to Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says the cares of this world choke the word. But God's will for you is that you come to him and have intimacy with him. And he will give you rest. Next verse. God's will is that you take his yoke. If you're wondering what God wants you to do, he wants you to take his yoke. 
He wants you to take his burden. How do I know what that is? When you come to Jesus, when you have intimacy with Jesus, he shares his heart with you. When you come to Jesus, you start to say, as you do, it's not, it's not the first thing you say, but as you come to Jesus, you start to say, Lord, what's important to you? I've made all these prayers telling you what's important to me. When you come to Jesus, you say, what's important to you? And Jesus starts to share with you his burden. Jesus starts to put in your heart, and when I say share with you, he starts to show you what's, he puts in your heart his burdens. So come to me, then, so God's will is that you come to him, that you take his burdens. What's important to God? Remember, he says, if you take my yoke, you'll find rest for your souls. Actually, it says it here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So God wants you to take on. Have you ever heard? The, some of you have heard the song, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. God says, if your yoke is heavy. Come to me. And take my yoke upon you. God wants to make a trade. Lay your burdens down and take up the Lord's burdens. He says, for, oh, and then he says, and learn from me. So two things, take my burdens and then learn from me how I want you to live. This message is primarily, this message is for everybody. But this message is primarily for those of you who are on the fence trying to figure out, trying to answer the question, what does God want from me? How much is God asking me for? Does God... I want to stay on the fence because I know that it's a high price to do God's will. But you know that God is calling you to go deeper. This message is for everybody that's trying to decide. Everybody who's on the fence. God is telling you to go. God is telling you, you want to know what my will is? I'm showing you. My will is that you live for me. My will is that my burdens become your burdens. Not the pastor, not the missionaries, not the Sunday school teachers. This is my will for your life. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know my burdens. Can we put the verse back up? I want you to learn from me. Everybody out Everybody say, I need to learn from Jesus. One more time. I need to learn from Jesus.
Amen. I know it's uncomfortable. I don't like when people may ask me to do that. But sometimes it helps when you say something. I don't know what it is about that, but some, it, 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 God wants you to learn from him. The idea is to make it personal, that this is not a teaching, this is not um, a concept, this is not doctrine, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you. God wants you to learn from Jesus. Not, he wants you to learn from the pastors. He wants you to learn from the Bible teachers. But God wants to have intimacy with you. And, it, and then it's up to us, it's up to you to respond and say, God, I've heard you inviting me to draw close to you. RSVP and say, I'm showing up. Here I am. Lord, here I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know what you want to do. But I want you to do it. Amen. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And before we get off this, he's telling us here to learn from him. He's telling us that he's gentle and lowly of heart. God's will is that you be gentle and lowly of heart. And most of us, I don't know too many people that that comes natural to. It doesn't come natural to me, and I don't know too many people that that comes natural to. But this is God's will for your life. God wants to do a work in your character. God wants you to do God's, God wants to change your heart. He's less interested in what job you have. He's less interested in what career you pick. He's less interested in what house you buy. He's more interested in your heart. He's more interested in your character. So God's will is that you be gentle and lowly. And you know what? That's something you could take to work. That's something that you could take home with you and practice. Lord, help me be gentle with my wife. Help me be gentle with my kids. Help me be gentle with that guy at work that's always pushing my buttons. The guy that's always provoking me, Lord, help me be gentle with him. Not because he deserves it. He deserves me to rip his head off. But you are lowly and gentle. And I know you want me to learn from you. So I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to respond. Teach me. Here's a better way to say it. Lord, teach me to respond how you responded. And guess what? That's for you, my friend. That's for you, brother and sister. That message is not for anybody else. That message is for you. God wants you to be like Jesus. You want to know God's will? He wants you to be like Jesus. He wants you to have his burden. He wants you to have his heart. And he wants you to learn from him. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse 1. 
John 15, 1. Fifteen one. That's one fifteen. We need John fifteen one. Thank you. Jesus says, I am the true. So we're learning from Jesus, right? God's will is that we learn from Jesus. So now Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. So let's try to. Let's see what we can learn. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Next verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Stop right there. What's God's will? That we bear fruit. God, here, let's, I like this verse because remember I was trying to say, listen, this is for you. This applies to everybody. It's not just for the pastor. I like this verse. Every branch in me, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So you're wondering where you sit, or you're wondering if this applies to you or to what extent? Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It seems like he's pretty serious about us bearing fruit. So God's will for your life is that you bear fruit. Every one of you. This is God's will for man, not for a few church members. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit is taken away, and every branch that bears fruit is pruned that it might bear more fruit. Next verse, please. You are already clean. Because of the word which I have spoken to you. Hold it right there. How are we clean? By the word of God. God's will is to clean us by his word. Which means we have to read God's word. We have to know God's word. And then we have to clean ourselves with God's word. What does that mean? The devil knows God's word, but he doesn't do anything in it. So the Bible compares, the Bible actually, literally, there's verses in the Bible that compare God's word to a mirror. And it says nobody goes to a mirror and stands in front of it and leaves the same way they came. When they stand in a mirror, you see your condition. And the idea is, what do you guys do in the mirror in the morning? You look. Oh, wow, I got to clean my eyes. You, 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 before, you, you know, after you have a bowl of black beans, you go to the mirror and check if you've got anything in your teeth. Now, how many of you, when you have something in your teeth, you s go to the mirror, you confirm you got something on your teeth, and then you say, okay, that's good to know, and you keep going. You clean it off. You are already clean by the word which I've spoken. Two things. You need to stand before the mirror, and then you need to do some cleanup. You need to fix your hair. You need to brush your teeth. You need to clean. You need to look at the areas in your life that God's word is showing you are out of order and order them. So we need to have a relationship with God. We need to draw near to him. We also need to draw near to his word.
and, and make adjustments in our life as God's word reveals to us. So you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me, God's will. Jesus is saying, don't just come to me, remain. Another word for abide is remain. Abide in me. Come to me and stay with me. And I with you. Come to God and don't leave. We used to, when we were saying goodbye, and I think Pastor Rivera might have said it the other day, we dismiss our, we're dismissed from this place, but not from his presence. I used to love when we would close the services like that. Because we're supposed to come in with God. We're supposed to leave with God. So he says, you remain with me, and I remain with you. Just as the branch, remember the previous verse said he was divine? Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. So God wants you to bear fruit. We saw that in the last verse. Very clearly, God wants us to bear fruit. That's God's will. Now he's telling us how to bear fruit. Remain with me. Abide in me and I in you. For unless, uh, for as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. God doesn't want you to do anything without him. God says, you'll, what this verse really says is, you'll do nothing of value without, if you don't remain with me or remain in me. So, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Other than that's more important than this. God wants us, God says I'm not going to do anything if I don't abide in him. So what am I doing anywhere else? I don't know. It's a challenge for me. I ask myself, when I get caught up, I ask myself, what am I so busy doing? What am I so caught up in that I'm not abiding in him? Because at the end of the day, without him, I can do nothing. And I challenge you to make that same evaluation in your life. Verse 6. If anyone, so here he goes on to emphasize, listen, the Lord makes things really clear. I said that God wanted us to understand his will. The Lord doesn't just give us one or onesies and twosies, a verse here and a verse there. He makes sure that we leave with a full understanding of his will. If anyone abides If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. God is showing you he means business. I'm serious. God is telling us he is serious about us bearing fruit. He's telling us he's serious about 
abiding in him. Look at what this says. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out and thrown into the fire. Anyone who, this is Jesus speaking. We're not taking that out of context. We're just reading straight through. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branches, a branch and is withered, and they gather them in and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. So we're understanding God's heart. He wants us to understand his will, and, he's, and he wants us to understand how serious he is about what he's speaking to us. Verse 7. Okay, um, before, so we'll read this, and then I, I want to do a parenthesis. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Okay, so fine, we understand that we need to abide in him, but how do I do that? What does it mean to remain? Have you, how many of you have asked yourself, how many of you have read this verse and asked yourself, what does it mean to abide? Like, how do I abide? How do I abide in him, and how does, how does that work? Am I, or just two of us? Myself or one more? You don't have to raise your hand if it's not true, by the way. But, but I've asked myself, because this verse seems like a big deal, so I've asked myself over the years, Lord, how do I abide? What does that mean? How does that work? God in his graciousness, you know, if you ask God a question, he'll answer you. And it's, listen, it's great when you can go to a Bible teacher and they can give you an answer. But it's awesome when you're asking God something and God answers you. There's nothing, I don't know if there's anything better than asking God a question and having God answer you. It's awesome when somebody shows you the Bible, but it's awesome when the Holy Spirit shows you the Bible. It's like nothing else. So I ask God, Lord, how do I abide? What is, how does that work? And I was, you know, that's like, and the Lord said, read the next verse. I had read the verses before, but I never realized that the answer was there. And then one day, I read the next verse, and I said, it's right here. If you abide in me, okay, how do I do that? If, and my words, ab Lord, how do I abide in you? My words abide in you. If you abide in me. You'll see, we're going to keep going, and it'll, it'll give us the full, it'll give us both sides. But right now, in this verse, it tells us how he abides in us. If my words abide in you. So how does God abide in us? His words abide in us. So how is it that I'm to abide in the Lord? To get his word to remain in me. And what do I mean? Where can I put God's word? Obviously, we're not talking physically. We're talking about in our heart and in our mind. Remember how we read, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind? Right now, you either, when you're faced with a situation, you either think the way this world has taught you how to think, or you think the way God's word has taught you how to think. When you react to something, when you evaluate a situation and make decisions, you're either doing it because of how your parents taught you how to evaluate a situation. 
You're doing it based on how your friends taught you, how your brothers and sisters, how your family taught you, or how this society has taught you. We react based on how we've been taught to react. So either you've been taught by this world, and we all have, this world has taught us how to think. Our parents, when we were growing up, our parents formed and shaped how we thought. And then as we got older, we started interacting with other people, with cousins, with neighbors, and they started to shape how we think. And we started watching TV, and that started to shape how we think. And we got out into the real world, whatever that means, and that started to shape how we think. And so the way we think has been shaped by our parents, our family, our friends, our society. But God is saying, don't be conformed. Don't be like them. But be transformed. God knows you have to take on a new form. That's why he says don't be conformed. Conformed is how you already are. Transformed is to take on a completely different way, a different form. So God knows how you think. And he wants you to totally transform and renew your mind. So how do you abide in him? You have to get his word in you and the way you get his word in you is by the bible says by meditating on his word day and night now what does his word mean well we just learned tonight we learned that god wanted us to be meek gent to be gentle and lowly of heart or gentle and humble meek and humble you can you can those words are pretty much interchangeable in those verses Um, different translations translated slightly different, but meek, humble, gentle. How many of you were taught by your parents to be meek, humble, and gentle? How many of you were taught by your parents to turn the other, if somebody smites you on the right cheek, offer them your left? I was taught that. If somebody smites me on the right, offer them my left, my left, my left, and then a right. That's what I was taught. Somebody offers me, spines me on the right, give him a left, and then a right, and then an uppercut. We weren't taught to think the way Christ thinks. But, but we can get God's word in us and understand God's heart. Forgive. How many of you were taught to forgive? Forgive and you will be forgiven. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many of us were taught to be peacemakers? We were taught to stir things up, man. Stirring things up is fun. In Spanish, they call it ebrete. You know, just stirring things up. That's what we were taught. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the gentle, the meek, the humble. If somebody offers you, if somebody asks you for, your, for their shirt, give them your cloak also. If they ask you to go a mile, go with them too. How many of us were taught that way? These are not complicated. Yeah, if you were, if, if you were raised in the church, yes, that's the only way. But um, these things are not abstract. They're not um, deep spiritual thought, a deep spiritual um, doctrine. This is Christ's 
heart and Christ's mind that we can get in us. How we are to live. Love. No greater love has a man than this, that he should lay down his life for his brother. I'm going to say that again, because if you didn't hear that before, no greater love has a man than this, that he should lay down his life for his brother. How many of us were taught to love like that? No way. And so, God, the Bible says, if you abide, how do we abide in him? His words abide in us. And what I was trying to show you is how practical it is for his words to abide in us. How practical it is for, uh, for him to abide in us. For us to say, Lord, I'm going to read your word. I want you to show me. I want you to speak to me. And then when God speaks to you, you say, Lord, I'm going to make that a part of me. I'm going to make that who I am. When you, let me tell you something. When you read God's word, you will find out that it's not talking about you. You'll find out that what God is asking for is not who you are. Do not be discouraged. That's the point. That's the point. That's, God is showing you the change that he wants to make in you. He's showing you um, this is the goal. This is where you need to head towards. This is the direction you need to pursue. And I'm going to get you there. I'm going to help you get there. So the idea is not that you read that and you say, this must not be talking about me because that's not who I am. The idea is that you read that and you say, Lord, I, now I know what you want. Now, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. So, Lord, ask the Lord when you read his word. Ask the Lord to show you what he wants for your life in those verses. And then let them remain in you. Let them remain in your thoughts. Not what's on TV, not the bills that are coming in, not uh, let nothing else fill your mind and fill your heart. But that which God has spoken to you, that's what it means to abide, that's how you abide in him. Oh, I'm sorry. This says that's how he abides in you when his words abide in you. That's why it's so important to, uh, to read God's word, to spend time in God's word, and then to commit to living God's word. So that's how we abide in him. Now, the next verse. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. Next verse. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Next verse. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he abides in us when we keep his word in us. We abide in him. If you keep my commandments. And then, okay, Lord, but you, you, you have a lot of commandments. So the next verse says, if you, if, uh, actually, I think it's the next one, so we won't go there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments, I will abide in his love. So here what we want to see is, how do we abide in him? 
if we keep his commandments. Next verse. Next verse. This is my commandment. Because that's a big statement, right? If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Yeah, but you have a lot of commandments, Lord. So then he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So how do you abide in his love? By keeping his commandments. And what's his commandment? To love one another as I have loved you. So how do we abide in Jesus? By loving one another as he has loved us. And how does he abide in us? When his word abides in us. So. God tells us. If we abide. If we abide in him. We'll bear much fruit. And if we don't abide in him. We can't do anything. And then he tells us how to abide. Keep my word. By the way remember abide means to remain. So my word must remain in you. God. God's will for your life. Keep going back to this. Because for if you are coming to church, it's because you're interested in God's will. You want to, you, this is God's house. And we're here to do God's will. So if you come to church, we assume you want to do God's will or you want to know God's will. So we're telling you God's will is that you abide in him. And then we're explaining further with scripture how do you abide in him? By keeping his commandments. How do you abide in him? By loving one another as he loved us. So God's will is that you love. This is, I mean, you get this and you're done. You're pretty much ready, ready to go home with the Lord. If you can love one another as he loved us, you're ready to go, my friend. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Paul knew that he had run, the good, he had run his race well. God's will for you is that you fight the good fight, that you finish the race, that you love one another as he has loved you. You know God's will? That you love one another? We try to make it into other things. What country, what job, what person, what place, what thing. God's will is that you love one another as I have loved you. And God's will is that his word remain in you. And as his word remains in you, it transforms the way you think and it transforms the way you live. And that is how once you, you're doing that, you'll be able to, like the first verse we Romans 12 said, you'll be able to examine and, and prove what God's will is. So God wants you to know his will. And as a starting point, this is how you get started. I love, you know, the Bible... <laughs> I get it. There's some verses in the Bible I get a kick. I, I just, I chuckle on my own. The, there's a Bible verse that says the beginning of, how many of you know the verses that say the beginning of wisdom? What's the beginning of wisdom? Okay, the fear of the Lord. What's the other one? 
I love the other one. The other one, I get a kick out of it all the time. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> At first, you read that and say, what? It's like, gee, thanks a lot. But as you read more of Scripture, you start to understand the depth of that, the, the significance of that verse. So we're saying you need to do God's will. We're saying to do God's will, you need to understand God's will. Where you, your starting point is understanding that God wants you to know his will. And that's really what we wanted to do tonight is that every one of us, if you leave here tonight with nothing else except understanding that God wants you to know his will, I think it's mission accomplished. God wants you to know his will. And where do you start? What's our starting point to knowing God's will? And that's why I go back to this verse. What's the, what's the beginning of wisdom? Get wisdom. What does that mean? You know, the, the, there's other verses in, in Proverbs. It says, wisdom cries out in the city. She cries out on the streets to the simple ones. So the point is, you have to, if you want wisdom, you have to seek it. You have to start to ask for it. You have to start to look for it. You have to desire it. The beginning of wisdom is to desire wisdom. Does that make sense? Isn't it wise to desire wisdom? The beginning of wisdom is to desire it. That's where you start to inquire. And if you inquire, the Bible says wisdom sits in this. And I might be uh, incorrectly, I might be paraphrasing this incorrectly, but it says she stands in the streets and calls out to the simple ones. Simple ones, fools or simpletons, how long will you love being simple-minded? Meaning, if you seek wisdom, you'll find it because she's out there trying to talk to you. The, pro the reason people don't find it is because they enjoy their foolishness. And in the same way, so that's the starting point for wisdom, and that's very similar to the starting point for God's will. The starting point for knowing, for knowing and doing God's will is understanding that God wants you to know what it is. That God wants you to know his will. That God never intended for that to be um, mysterious. That if you read God's word, he will reveal it to you. If you draw near to God, he's going to do a work in your heart. And that his will is very clearly shown in scripture. Two greatest commandments, and we're going to end with this. When they asked Jesus, and, and by the way, if the musicians are still here and they want to start coming up, um, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And you guys know this. You guys know the verse. The intent here is not to teach you, to give you a teaching. The intent here is to remind you What's on God's heart? Or to, how many of you guys have ever had to reprioritize things in your life? You ever found yourself where you said, wait a minute, I need to reprioritize my life. I need to evaluate, re, let me, 
maybe it's not even reprioritize. Maybe it's reevaluate my priorities, right? I need to take a step back and say, am I living? Do I need to make some adjustments in, in, in my priorities? So tonight what I'm sharing with you is not to teach you something new. Tonight what I'm sharing with you is hopefully going to cause you to pause and reevaluate your priorities. Jesus said, or, or, or the Bible says, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Don't walk any old way. Don't walk as an unwise person that just doesn't give any thought to their life. Most of us don't give thought to how we walk. But God says, this is my will, that you walk as a wise person, not as an unwise person, making the most of your time. In order to make the most of your time, you need to know what you're supposed to be doing with your time. I'm going to say that again. In order to make the most of your time, you need to know what you're supposed to be doing with your time. And then figuring out. Well, once you know that, you, you can do it. So the point is, you need to evaluate. What should I be doing? What am I doing? We call this gap analysis. Where am I supposed to, Where am I? Where am I supposed to be? And how am I going to, what am I going to do to get rid of the gap between where I am and where I'm supposed to be? So God says, don't walk foolishly. Make the most of your time. And understand what the will of the Lord is. So, God's two top priorities are that you love Him. Remember he said and that you love him and that you love your neighbor as yourself. God, that's God's, if those priorities are not in your life, if those are not your priorities, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me. So God wants you to come to Jesus and to learn from him. God wants you to evaluate your life, to say, Lord, this is how I'm living. And I know it's not in line with how you want me to live. And ask the Lord to help you make the adjustment, make the corrections in your life. That's what repentance is. Repentance is meta in Greek is metanoia, new, noia is new, meta is goal, metanoia, to set a new goal, to reset your priorities. So tonight, I encourage you to reset your, you can, and let's be on your feet as, as we, as we um, prepare for this worship song, and as we, as we worship the Lord, if the Lord has shown you the priorities that he wants you, the corrections that he wants you to make in your life, if they're clear in your heart, as we, worship, as we sing this worship song, 
you just raise your hands to God and say, God, I've heard your word. You, I've heard you talking to me and I want to respond. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to make the necessary changes in my life. Help me to repent. Help me to set new goals, Lord. Help me to reset my goals. Help me to reset my priorities, Lord. To align my heart with your heart. To align my priorities with your priorities. Lord, write your law. Write your word in my heart and in my mind. And cause me to walk in your way. Lord, I don't want to be the same. I want you to change me. I want your will to be done in my life. Lord, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, I hunger for what is right. I hunger and thirst for what is right, Lord. I hunger for your will. Lord, you are good. You've been good to me. And I recognize today that I need you. I need you to do a work in my life. And Lord, the same way that I surrendered to you when I first gave my heart to you, I give you my heart tonight and ask you once again to do a work in my life. Lord, to renew, restore in me the joy of my salvation. To renew in me my commitment to you. Give me your heart, Lord. Give me your burdens and put them into my heart. Remove the heart of stone. Remove the heart that I...